0: it's just lovely to be here and uh, I'll do a little talking just so that you can get used to my accent people say where you're from I'm say I say from South the deep South uh, Sydney Australia uh, where my wife and I reside sometimes Um, we're not there very much these days Uh, as John said for the last three and a half years uh, we've been away, in fact, last year I was, I slept outside my bed uh, 300 nights of the year. Not because my wife kicked me out, but because we were on mission. Um, I've slashed that back to 280 nights this year. And, uh, and we are just delighted that we get to do this. We feel it an absolute uh, privilege. And uh, oh my gosh, on a day like today, um, I am very, very honored that you would trust me uh, with this pulpit. I hope, uh, I hope, I, I haven't preached before, but this is really uh, <laughs> a great opportunity. And uh, no, seriously, we love you guys. And uh, you know, when you're in it, when you're in something, if, and some of you maybe this is your only church experience, you, you, you can start to think this is normal. <laughs> Put your hand up if you're normal. This is, this is not, I mean, it should be, but this is not normal. Beautiful worship, incredible sense of community, leaders that are both able to lead and make hard decisions and love you as the people of God, with uh, not content to settle. Um, and you know, in a room like this, there would be different types of people. There'd be people that just get locked in on the one. Others who love the crowd. Others who are allergic to crowds and you are here right now and you're thinking, oh, wherever we're at, in the kingdom of God, it's just delightful to be able to make room for more. And uh, John has over the last three weeks, and I haven't listened to all the talks, but I did listen to the first one and uh, watched the little video a couple of times. And so unapologetically at the end of the service, we get the, just the glorious opportunity um, to selflessly, and I've had the privilege of doing this, all jokes aside, many, many times, both in our own church, uh, in the Hillsong, where we stood on the land um, that Hillsong is still on right now. It was a farm and purchased that, uh, helped many other churches. And so I, it never ceases to amaze me, the generosity of the people of God and the unspeakable privilege that it is for us that God would partner with us in his mission, and so at the end of the service, I'm going to get you to take. Of course, John and Debbie are going to come at the end and pray over the whole offering, um, but I'm going to I'm going to get you to consider some of many of you probably come already prepared uh, for for the landing point of this season in the life of the church. So we are going to do a bit of God business at the end, um, but you don't know me, I don't know you, so I just thought that I would uh, just give you an, a bit of an intro to the family. Um, we'll go through these real, real quick. Uh, they're not holiday slides. Uh, and, uh, but first of all, my beautiful wife, Valerie, uh, who has just gone home a couple of days ago. She has the privilege of being, uh, uh, sorry, I have the privilege of being her husband. <laughs> yeah, she, she has the privilege of being my wife. Uh, and, then, and then we got three, three kidults uh, who uh, Leah, Ryan, and Elise? Um, who I, I still call them kids. They're still kids to you, right? Uh, Leah's 32, Ryan's 30, and Elise's oh, I think 27 at last count. And uh, and then, and then uh, Leah and Andy, uh, Leah's actually a film producer. She spent a number of years in London with Working Title. worked on Great Gatsby in Australia, and got her own little film company. They've uh, given birth to our little granddaughter, Aubrey Harper, and uh, we're going somewhere with this. It's not just, because uh, uh, I miss them. That's why we're going somewhere. <laughs> Honestly, when your kids are growing up, it's like, They don't even know where you are in the world if you do what we do, who cares? They don't, I don't. But when there's grandkids, I really care. I basically FaceTime my grandkids every single day. And uh, so this is little Aubrey Harper with her Vegemite on toast, read Marmite on toast. And then there's uh, Ryan and Bindi, and uh, they gave birth to our little grandson, whose name is Freddie, and and, (laughs) goodness me. I'm in love. And then, and then recently, like at the start of this year, I had the privilege of walking our youngest daughter down the aisle, Elise. Uh, she is a, an associate pastor of a church in, uh, in uh, downtown Hollywood called Oasis. Some of you ladies might've heard of the name Holly Wagner, uh, Holly and Philip Wagner. Holly speaks at a lot of women's things. And then I had the privilege of actually marrying them. So I walked her down the aisle and turned around and said, uh, who gives this woman? A- I do. and uh, had a bit of fun with it. That's the money shot outside there. They bought a cathedral uh, in uh, downtown Hollywood and it's uh, just an amazing thing. Actually, at the end of the service, when I announced them, I said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Cameron Robson. This is actually what happened. (laughs) It was a fun wedding, definitely. was, it was actually very, very fun. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Sometimes people say, hey, how do, you, how do you cope like jet lag and all that stuff uh, with the 280 nights away every year? Incidentally, some people ask, they say, are you doing that by yourself? Uh, no, my wife travels with me most of the time. Her, think about this, ladies, her, her wardrobe is a is a, is a suitcase 240 nights a year. We're not worthy, right? Um, she's amazing. She's a very much a partner in the ministry. We've been married 34 years. Uh, we still love each other, and we like each other most days as well. And, uh, and but people say, how do you do it? What, what? And I say, simply, absolutely simple. Three bottles a day. <laughs> to the pure, all things are pure. First of all, Vicine. I I have red eyes a lot because of uh, jet lag and so forth. I was putting this in my eyes the other day. I don't know whether you've ever put eye drops in, and this is what happened. I put it in, and I opened my mouth. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Like, I wasn't gonna eat it. And as I did, seriously, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He said, that's what I want to happen for you. And this is my prayer for you today. As I open your eyes to generations, I want you to do something about it. I want you to open your mouth and confess the promises of God, not just for your kids, but their kids as well. Um, second bottle is, uh, is nasal spray, because I'm in air conditioning all the time, up the nose. And, uh, and, and, and my prayer for you is that even with this season and over to the day and next week when you get to celebrate, there'll be, there'll be deep drafts of the fresh breath of God that'll flow through every single person and family here. Because sometimes, and I don't sense this here right now, and it's been beautifully laid up. We know what it's about. All the questions have been answered. But sometimes, in some places, you can get a bit tight where money is concerned. This is a great celebration. It's a wonderful opportunity. God, who demonstrated His lavish generosity to us, says, hey, I want to invite you to partner in my plan. And the third bottle, and now this is, this is debatable. I don't even know that I actually need this. I've never had any proof, but this is called snore stop. <laughs> that was a louder laugh than I thought. They're very rude, John. My wife claims that I snore. I've said, why don't you record me, if smarty pants. So she never has. So I doubt I need it. But because I'm a dutiful husband, and the words, yes, dear, have served me well for 34 years. (laughs) Don't put your hand up. Any friends in that? And uh, so I, I saw this in a U.S. pharmacy, and it claimed to be able to help. And so I thought I'll do it in private rather than going live. And so it's in in the shape of a little uh, fire extinguisher. And so I put it up my nose and nearly burnt my brains out. (laughs) I thought, wonder you don't snore, there's nothing flipping in your head left. And then I read the instructions which says, spray it in your throat. (laughs) My, honestly, my prayer for you today, My prayer for you today is that as God opened your eyes to generational influence, we'd actually do something about it. Open your mouth and confess God's promises over your kids and their kids. As we engage together in what's a touchy thing for a lot of churches, that there'd be just a deep sense of the fresh breath of God all over it, and that we would actually Read the instructions. Do what he says. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for every single individual and family here represented at Trent Vineyard. Father, we thank you for all that you have done but God, we are more excited even about all that you are yet to do in and through this community. Father, today, as we take action on our faith, Lord, I pray that this final word, Lord, would just water the hearts of your people. Lord, that our faith would be stirred and Lord, we be prepared to sow seeds, Lord, that will indeed represent a great harvest. Father, I commit this to you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come with me to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 13. You doing good? I've had a delightful weekend, not that you care, but I, I have, and uh, just a wonderful time hanging out with uh, friends, been to some wonderful restaurants, and uh, it's, it's, it's once good being on the road like this, uh, you don't eat much, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I used to be thin, but now I'm not, and. Uh, Um, Proverbs 13, here we go. Verse 22 says, A good man, everyone say a good man. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. A good man, listen to this, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. God is a a multi-generational God. He calls himself, actually, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So he actually, he uses that terminology about himself. So when God looks at us, though we can get very bound in time and space and the stuff that's going on in our lives, God is actually looking beyond that stuff. In fact, he's already there. See, God is is the same yesterday, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. (laughs) This is crazy, he lives outside of time. So while we're angsting about, or actually even in pain about what's happening now, God is both dealing with our past, assisting us in the present, and is already in our future all at the one time. How do you find that a bit trippy? Like, it's like, God, you're just amazing. But when we we imbibe that, when we believe that, we understand that God is with us past, present, and future. So God is a generational God. I was with a friend of mine in uh, the U.S. He's about 65 years of age. And i had having lunch with him. And we're in New York and he, uh, he, uh, he's looking pretty fit. And I'm an Aussie, Aussie guy and so Aussie guys don't tend to compliment other guys all that much. But I said, Paul, if I can say so, you're looking pretty good, mate. And, uh, and he said, you can say so? He said, no big deal, though. It's just a gift to my grandkids. He had taken some decisions in the present that were gonna lay up something for his grandchildren in times, uh, uh, in times ahead. Each and every one of us have situations in our lives that are gonna lay something great up. God's word says, a good man leaves an inheritance. Not just money, a good man leaves an inheritance of spiritual heritage. A good man leaves a, an inheritance of family blessing. A good man, or woman, leaves an inheritance of many, many different things. And so God, when he's looking at our lives, uh, this is not not just about building a really big church. This is actually about, I believe God has planted um, Trent Vineyard in order to impact generations. And you and I today get the opportunity to engage in a very intimate and personal way on this journey for people that aren't yet here right now for adults that aren't yet here. Um, John in one of the talks talked about a family, friends of theirs in Ohio had to turn some families away. And I know we're not at that point yet, but let's get ahead of the curve. Um, The kids facility is jam packed and for you and I who understand and there's a trust, that's great. But, but for a new family coming in with their precious children, they see as, as, as great as the children's workers are under, is it Becca, um, uh, they, they, they see a crowded room and all, all of a sudden they all are thinking about, well, this is not gonna work for me. And so in advance, thank God and thank you for your generosity of being able to get outside of yourself and think about others that aren't yet here. Think about little ones, teenagers, the youth get their area back again. And all the young people said, they'll be louder tonight, I'm sure. They're just waking up now, right? And, and, and adults and families have room in order for things to continue to breathe and grow. Come with me to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. There's a, um, there's a guy by the name of Eric Clapton, I think he's English, actually, and, and he, um, he wrote a really, really sad song called Tears in Heaven uh, many years ago about a tragedy that happened in his family where his child died and so forth, just awful. Um, but I think the verse in Scripture that brings most tears to heaven is in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the works that he had done for Israel. And I think heaven cries big tears where that's where that's the case. And again, let me not just butter you up, but let me honestly encourage you. And you know, I do get around to a lot of churches, like hundreds of them, over the last many, many years. And uh, and 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 when you you sense God is on something, um, though you're in it, and sometimes it's you know, sometimes all we can see is oh, that's not right, and that's not right. Uh, Can I really encourage you the incredible future that this place has? Um, what we saw at Hillsong was it took a whole bunch of years to get to about here, a little further on, but then something exponential kicked in. And, uh, and, and I, I, I was there from about 70 people to about 5,000. And I said to Pastor Brian Houston, I apologize for leaving, because I really left him in the, in the lurch after that, because he only went to a couple of hundred thousand. And... Uh, and, uh, and so, but this is what happens, God is building a foundation and we've got one shot at this thing called life, because obviously it's not about us. It's, it, we get one shot at life to worship and love Jesus and to help other people to experience the fact there's a God in heaven that is crazy about them. And so when you see that and when you operate in an unselfish way, the, the platform, though for some of you go, my gosh, this is already huge, but you understand that this church, and I'm not prophesying this necessarily, but this, the, the Trent Vineyard could go on to be multiplied thousands to the glory of God, even over the next five or 10 years. And so, and so it takes courage and faith for us to get ahead of the curve uh, in order to allow God to do what he wants to do. There's a beautiful verse, a beautiful story of the lady who had nothing left and the prophet said, go and, go and gather vessels, gather not a few. And, and, and she started pouring oil out into the vessels, and when the vessels were filled and completed, the oil stopped. And, and again, it's not always about bigger buildings, but with the incredibly accurate and specific confirmation of what John and Debbie were feeling in their heart. Two separate prophetic voices if you're, if you're new and new to this thing, it means that just men of God just speak out what they feel God is wanting to say. Now, if they knew the details, you think, oh, yeah, right, are you just kind of carrying favor? They knew nothing. They said, don't do another service in the morning yet. Expand it. Because, and I, you know what? I don't think this is even about the, just the next season. I actually think God is saying, do it now, and then later on, it's possible that he'll want to fill this up two or three or four times over. And, and, and again, not prophesying, saying that's what's going to happen. But what you're doing, what, what you're doing today is positioning yourself to make room for more in obedience to what God is saying. We read here in Genesis 49. Um, well, let me just read it. Verse 29. It's, this is talking about Jacob right at the end of his life. It says, then he charged them and said, I am to be gathered to my people. Um, basically, in the English vernacular, I'm about to croak it. The Aussie, I'm about to cark it, all right? And, uh, and then he says, um, bury me in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite. Now let's dive down to verse 31. It says, there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. How many know they are big hitters in Israel? Like they are really important people. Back in the day, the place of burial had incredible import, importance, it was really vital. And, and they reserved certain burial spots for very important people. So there I buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife, and there they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, another one of the big hitters, the ones whom God gives his name to. I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And then there's this little line that you can honestly almost miss. It says, and there I buried Leah. Meh, so what? Unless you know the backstory. Well, the backstory is this. Let Let me concertina it for you. Some of you know the story. Jacob spied a beautiful girl that absolutely took his eye. I mean, you know, I think when he saw Rachel, he went, hubba, 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 hallelujah. He, he was just, and I can say that because the Bible says she was beautiful of form and appearance. I'm not, Form and appearance. That's what the Bible describes her as. She was beautiful, so much so that he went to her, her dad and said, I would love to marry your daughter. Well, dad was a bit of a schemer. And he said, yeah, you can marry my daughter, all right, but you've got to work for me for seven years for nothing. Ha! <laughs> I think that just sought the men out from the boys. Imagine a young fella here catching the eye of a sweet little little girl and a young lady and goes to dad and dad says, yep, you can marry her if you worked for me for seven years. Yeah, she wasn't that good looking after all, I don't think. <laughs> so anyway, Jacob worked for him for seven years and finally, and I know this is a family show, so I'll keep it clean, but the, fe- the wedding night came and, uh, and, and, and he'd earned, earned this and uh, and so the wedding night was there. Remember, there was no electricity. It was in a tent. She had a veil on, and uh, they had the wedding night. We're on the one page. In the morning, he woke up. The veil was off. The sun was up. He turned over. Ah! It wasn't Rachel. It was her oldest sister Leah. Now, now the Bible says of Leah. Though it says of Rachel she was beautiful of form and appearance, it says of Leah she was dim or dull-eyed. He was really not happy. He went to the father and said, hey, listen, I work for your youngest daughter. That was my choice. Dad kind of explained it away and said, well, listen, it's not cool in our culture for the younger one to get married first. And so I gave you the old one. But you could good news, you can also marry both of them if you go on the honeymoon with Leah and uh, work for me for another seven years, you can have Rachel as well. Well, this was fine from Jacob's point of view. And Rachel, I guess, was pretty happy about it as well. But then there was poor Leah. Every single night, Knowing, in fact, the Bible says he loved Rachel, but he did not love Leah. There were tents, and so he would hear the, she would hear the giggle, giggling coming from Rachel and, and Jacob's tent. And the only sounds that came from her tent were the deep racking of the tears of rejection. She felt unloved, she felt unlovely, and she felt like her life was not gonna account for anything. That's not just about Leah without over-dramatizing it. Some of you have gone through those moments, some of you ladies have gone through those moments where you've wondered, am I pretty enough? Am I good enough? Am I beautiful enough? Does anyone really care? Am I lovable? Now, maybe the guys haven't had that same thought in front of the mirror. It's between men and women. Women will look in the mirror and go, oh. Guys look in the mirror and go, yeah. But maybe you've wondered, sir, whether you have got what it takes. Maybe you've wondered whether you can be a good husband, a good, a good father, whether you can make it in the marketplace or even serve God over any length of time. I've had those moments, some of the most hopeless moments in my life, um, where my wife and I are both first-generation Christians. She was a flight attendant for Qantas, got married as a younger girl um, before me, and her husband walked out with someone else after a couple of years. So she knows those racking pains of, am I lovable? For me, just in a really quick story, I was sexually abused at the age of 14 by a male. And so that was a great identity issue for me. And so I thought I'm gonna prove my manhood. And again, just keeping it in the family variety, I was very promiscuous from about 16, ended up in a in a, with a teenage pregnancy. I'd been going out with this young lady for about 18 months, and we were literally 18. And, uh, and so we thought, well, we're gonna get married. And, uh, and, and we planned it, and I had three or four jobs, three jobs at once, but then another job at another time, and raised a lot of money. And you know, we we're both wet behind the ears, both very, very young. And to be honest, the relationship fell very terribly apart. Um, I never saw the baby. In fact, on the birth certificate, it was father unknown even though that was not true, it was me. Um, and so I remember going to the hospital one day. Ever had a good idea that wasn't such a good idea? I thought, I'm going to go and see my baby. Unannounced, I got two dozen roses, and I went to, see, went to the hospital when the baby was born. I'd not seen the mother for a couple of months. And, uh, and, and, and I got turned back at the nurse's station. The nurse says, no, she doesn't want to see you. So I, I threw those flowers down into a, the nearest rubbish can that I could find. And I can so vividly remember that day where I was walking through the inner city streets of Sydney, almost like I was in my own movie. And I was walking along the edge of the road like this, the curb, and there were trucks flashing by. And honestly, friends, I hate to admit it, but I could have done something really stupid that day. So I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be be drunk four or five nights a week and rolling out of bars. I know what it's like to flip a car and should have been killed and have a little scratch on my back. You may not have any of those situations, but we're all human beings. We all know what it's like to be hopeless. There are other Michael Murphys out there right now that we need to make room for. There are other ones of you out there, think of you at your lowest moment, that we need to make room for. And God is giving us this opportunity today. God's heart is for us. And thank God, everyone say thank God for Leah. Come on, thank God for Leah. Because she pushed through, she did not, she did not pull back. She, she actually pushed, you know, here's what she did do. Rachel was barren. So she thought, I, what I can do, I can have kids. So she started having children. Now back in the day, name and nature of a child were synonymous. So the name you named a child, uh, actually was representative, kind of of your anticipated nature or whatever of them. I had a problem with that when my daughter Leah learnt this story. And she said, Dad, what were you thinking? I said, I wasn't, I just liked the name. <laughs> dim-eyed, Dad, and she's gorgeous, but, but dim-eyed. So back in the day, so, so Leah has, has three kids. She has Reuben, Simeon, and, and Levi. And you can almost see her bargaining with God as she does this. Reuben means, behold a son. Behold a son, now my husband is going to love me. Simeon means heard or heard by God. God, have you heard my prayer yet? Now will my husband love me? She's got into this trip of trying to do things in order to please the one whose love she desired. The third child she called Levi, which means attached. God, now is my husband gonna be attached to me? Now here's the the very extreme difference to what we're doing today to what Leah was engaged in in those early years. We're not doing this to please God or to appease God or to get brownie points in heaven. We're actually doing this out of an understanding that if you did nothing, God's love has already been set upon you. That, that Christ went to the cross for you and I to totally pay for your every single sin, past, present, and future. And today, out of the understanding of that love, we want to engage in this because of the generosity and the overwhelming grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Total different to what she did. She started to get it next. The the fourth child was called Judah. After trying to bargain with God, she says, praise the Lord anyway. Rachel's looking on, she's still barren. She has a maid servant though, pretty little thing. And she says to Jacob, she says, would you like to have children with Bilhah? He didn't have to pray about that. And he actually had a couple of kids, Dan and Naphtali. And And then Leah temporarily was barren. So she got her maid servant, Zilpah, Bilhar and Zilpah. Sounds like a rap, something like that. But anyway, and so she had kids, Gad and Asher. So then Leah has a couple more, more children, Issachar and Zebulun. Finally, everyone say finally. Finally, Rachel has Joseph and Benjamin. That represents the 12 heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Leah pushed through. Let me give you a couple of thoughts on this as it pertains to where we're engaged today. Number one, like Leah, continue to invest in things that outlive you. Continue to invest in things that outlive us. Lots of the things that we spend and consume will happen only within our lifetime. Today is one of those days where history will record, not record, but history record a generous people who decided to get outside of themselves and say, I am going to give sacrificially and with faith for those that I don't even yet know. Continue to invest in things that outlive you. Leah also persisted with God's generational dream. My my warm encouragement from way down under is Trent Vineyard, don't stop here. God's plan, heaven's plan is to build on this platform, not just to build a great church. It would be one of the most understated, humble leadership teams I've ever, ever had the privilege of working with, honestly. But in that, make sure we continue as a people to pitch the vision forward and hear why why God has laid up this miraculous thing of thousands already after only a relatively short time. Why does that happen? Well, just so we can be a great church. I don't think so. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but understand this then becomes the new platform from which God can do things maybe that have never been done in contemporary history in the United Kingdom. Thanks, Mum. So number one, continue to invest in things that outlive you. Number two, continue to persist with God's generational dream. Now here's little Leah feeling so downcast, being caught in the moment in her tent, giggling coming from the tent next door, racking tears from her tent, but had she not have continued to invest in things that outlive her, and if she had not have persisted with God's generational dream, there would have been a significant cost to you and I today. Thank God for Leah, because no Leah, no Levi, no pri- priestly lineage, no Moses, no Miriam and the crew, no first five books of the Bible, folks, no Exodus, no priestly line. But there's more. You see, no Leah, no Judah, no kingly line, no 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 Boaz, no David, no Solomon, no Psalms, no Proverbs, no Song of Solomon, no Ecclesiastes. Can somebody say thank God for Leah? She, she, Leah, Leah pushed through. Leah, 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 even through her pain. She actually, and, and here Jacob said, there I buried Leah. Something happened in the midst of times. Something happened where Jacob realized, my gosh, even though I was first attracted to Rachel, Leah is this amazing woman of God. I'm gonna bury her with the greats. But there's more. You see, no Leah, no Judah, no Joy to the world, the Lord has come. No Joseph, no Mary, no Jesus. Thank God for Leah. No Levi, no Elizabeth and John, or Zacharias and John. But there is more. You see, Zebulun gave birth that area to Nazareth. So no Nazareth, no Christmas story. There's more. You see, even though Benjamin was born by Rachel, she died at childbirth. So on whose knee do you think he he was actually raised? Leah's. So Paul, the apostle, was a Benjamite. So no Leah to raise Benjamin, just maybe no apostle Paul no half the New Testament. Friends, if you count up the books that have directly or indirectly been the result of a little girl who felt unloved, unlovely, but got beyond herself and continued to invest in things that outlived her, continued to persist with God's generational dream. (laughs) 33 books of the Bible, half the Bible, because of her generosity, because of her push through spirit. And there's more. Like steak knives, really, isn't it? <laughs> Revelation 21. Let me just give it to you rather than t- turning to it. The, the gates of heaven, every joke that starts out that the, the, they are the pearly gates, right? Every heaven's joke. The pearly gates. Well, the Bible says that each gate, 12 of them, is made of one hunk and pearl. I mean, that's a big pearl. How's a pearl made? Somebody help me. How's a pearl made? In an oyster. How does an oyster make a pearl? Sand irritation. Big pearl, big irritation. How many have ever experienced big irritations? Wives, do not nudge your husband right now. That would be the wrong timing. Talk to him about it over lunch. Every big irritation that you're going through, even right now, and for some of you, you're gonna make a sacrificial, you're gonna sow a sacrificial seed even through your pain and through your angst, as you dedicate that to God, I believe that you're gonna lay up pearls of great price. Here's the exciting news. Every one of those pearls, the gates of heaven, had the name inscribed on it of one of the heads of the tribes of Israel. As you walk through the pearly gates, there'll be a 50% chance, and you look up, that you'll see the name Written on that gate, that'll be one of the six sons of the little girl who felt unloved, unlovely, and it would have been so easy to quit. Even eternity will herald the greatness of this young lady. She didn't know it at the time. I don't know whether she ever knew that Jacob's love was upon her. But this gospel that we have the privilege to steward is indeed the most precious message of all time. And today, rather than sowing into a building, you and I get the opportunity to sow into generations, to sow into people that aren't yet here.
1: So if the host would like to bring the baskets up to this little low stage here, let's do that now. Thank you. Okay, now let's applaud. We've got representatives of, first of all, the youth coming in. Would you please bring the youth gifts? There There they come. Joined now by representatives of the under 11s, the Trent Kids. We're going to pray over this offering. But uh, before we do, there was um, a gift day for a building 3,000 years ago, the building of the Temple of God. And we find here David uh, in 1 Chronicles 29. And let me just read you this passage. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand lord our god all this abundance that we have provided for building comes from your hand it does, lord. and all of it belongs to you mm,
2: amen to that and uh, lord we are remembering how john spoke of the miracle of the multiplication of the fish and the loaves and lord we lift this offering before you and we give you thanks as jesus gave thanks before that great miracle we give you thanks that we have been able to give that you have stirred our hearts and that we've been able to be uh, obedient. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to give for generations to come, to invest in those things that we may never get to see, uh, but we know, Lord, that we are part of your kingdom, which is eternal. And Lord, we thank you for the promises over our children and their children's children, that they would become oaks of righteousness for the display of your splendor. Lord, for those yet to come who are going to participate in this building, for the teenagers who are going to regain their space, Lord, for those who are going to find a significant, incredible relationship as children of God who are going to come into their true identity who don't yet know it, Lord, we rejoice that we've been able to be part of this. And we thank you for this money. We ask that you will multiply it, that it will be used, and it would be um, just give you such joy as we build this new facility and extend, open up this auditorium, Lord. May you be blessed, Lord. In Jesus'
0: name, amen.